Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. I know all the Grace Guard Dogs are out there in the pound. Amen. Amen. We're getting so many, we've got to start saying, hello, all the Grace Guard Dogs and everybody else who's listening because we're, we're getting quite a big dog pound out there. It's the Grace Guard Dogs are out. They're out, yeah. So keep sharing the podcast with as many people as you can think to share with because you doubled it it last week yeah it's still not enough we want to reach the multitudes we really want everyone to be touched by the grace of God and see that it's the grace of God that leads to all the everything you ever imagined accomplishing in your Christian life is achieved through the grace of God. Yeah. It's not just that all your sins were paid for so you can sin all you want. It's nothing about that. Here at Guardians of Grace, we talk about the grace of God as it really is. The power source to live an exemplary Christian life, to defeat the sin guy, and to please the people around you and to spread the gospel in a beautiful, pure way that's what we're about here at Guardians of Grace. That's why you got to guard the grace. That's right. You got to guard the grace. You got to guard the grace and spread the grace. So please do, you guys. Please do. It's always someone tried to give you a little different gospel with not as much grace. A little, little human effort. Little leaven. A little leaven. What does a little leaven do? It leavens the whole lump. I heard someone say once, law or grace plus a little law equals law. <laughs> equals law. The whole thing is law. All Just a law. little leaven. Just a little yes. law. Yes. Little human effort. Like like James says, if you do the whole law yet stumble at one piece of it. You broke you, the whole thing. You, you're guilty of breaking all the law. There's plenty of other references to just one little smidgen of it. Well, Jesus said it best. He said, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. There's the standard. You're better going full full on law than a little law. Because full on law, you'll stumble fast and realize this is hopeless. I can't do it. Yes, and God will spew you out of his mouth. A little law and a little grace. So last week, we ended with a question. And I'm going to give it over to the Grace Guard Dog. Oh, yeah. Okay, I see. Do you remember the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I posed the question. I better remember it. (laughs) Okay, the question was, how can the Bible declare that Jesus died before the earth was created, that Jesus died on the cross, 
that Jesus died at the end of time and Jesus died at the consummation of the ages and he died at the right time. How can all these statements be true? Are they not contradictory? Totally. They are totally contradictory to each other. From a temporal point of view, they are. From from man's point of view, they totally disagree with each other because that's all we have down here on earth is man's point of view. We can learn about God's point of view, but we don't actually have it to go by, to live by. We can only live by what we're seeing and doing and experiencing. And sometimes God allows us to experience him, which is the best part of the day, any day or any week, any moment that God expresses himself through you is the highlight of your day. And we want people to know that. We want people to understand that they can express the nature of God and they can feel the nature of God also. That's the Christian addiction right there. And the reason we're posing this question is not so you can be a scholarly show-off at your next Bible study, although that is fun sometimes. (laughs) Yes. But that is not the reason you're learning this. This, you're learning this so you can realize when Jesus said it is finished, your sins were paid in full. You shall never, ever have a guilty conscience before God for the rest of your life. He died to forgive you your whole life. And you're going to see today how this can be true when you see yourself in time still doing things that you're ashamed of, embarrassed of. Even though you're learning, you're making mistakes. But this is, I think, one of the corporate identity and the eternal point of view of God that the Bible teaches, I think is going to catapult you into the mind of Christ. It'll be an anchor for your mind, like it says in First Peter. Anchor for your souls, this good news. An anchor for your soul, both sure and steadfast, that enters beyond the veil, where the very presence of God is. Well said, well said, Bill. Can't say it any more, any better than the Bible says it. Okay. So we posed a question. Yeah. I'll let Grace Guard Dog Steve begin to answer. Repose the question. Yeah. Okay, so here's what I was saying. I was saying in Matthew 27, verse 50, it says that 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave up his breath and died, that he died at the cross. How our sins were forgiven 2,000 years ago was never answered. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this grace was given to us before the creation of the world or before the ages, some versions say. 
and how it could be at the cross and before the world began is, is a mystery there again. It's something you have to accept by faith again. The book of Revelation says it was the Lamb of God who was slain before the beginning of the world. Another one. Hebrews 10, 12, and 14 talks about Jesus dying at the end of time, at the end of time, at the consummation of the ages. He died for all time, it says. At the end of time, he died. When did he die? Did he die at the beginning of time or did he die at the end of time? or at the cross. How were we included in his death is the ultimate question that we're trying to get to. That's why we're trying to solve this when did Jesus actually die question. We're trying to solve it because we want to know how we were included in his death. In, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, it gives us the understanding that we need. So let me just start reading in Hebrews chapter 9, where it says, But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. We saw Jesus die on the cross, yes. We saw Jesus be raised into the sky 50 days later, and then it was reported that the Holy Spirit came back down as tongues of fire, and the Holy Spirit entered people, and people started becoming born again because Jesus had come back in spiritual form. We've gone over those verses, and we've seen them clearly written right here in this book, but we've never really touched base yet on what Hebrews is telling us when it says when Christ appeared as high priest for us, the high priest that was going to make the sacrifice for us, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not made of creation. It's the tabernacle that's up in the third heaven where the throne of God is. The throne of God is up there and the tabernacle is up there. And this is saying Jesus shed his blood on that tabernacle. Did you know that? It's not widely mentioned. It took me a long time to actually understand that, that Christ literally went to the third heaven and shed his blood on the tabernacle that was sitting right there in front of God. He shed his blood on that. Hebrews goes on to say he didn't shed the blood of goats and calves, but he shed his own blood and he 
entered the holy place once for all. And when he was up there in the third heaven, shedding his blood on that altar, something else that he needed to do for God to say it's all done, when he was shedding his blood on that altar, it says he obtained eternal redemption. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. Do you realize what this passage is saying? He's, it's saying not only did he shed his blood on the cross, which all humanity could see, but he went to the third heaven which humanity couldn't see. This becomes an eternal truth that you have to accept by faith. This is from God's point of view. But from God's point of view, as he sat there in his throne in the third heaven, Jesus came into the Holy of Holies and shed his blood on that tabernacle for all mankind of all time because he obtained eternal redemption, not temporal redemption. If it was temporal redemption, all these places where it says in the beginning of time he died, at the end of time he died, at the cross he died, those would all contradict each other except for the fact that he obtained eternal redemption. That's why Hebrews is so right to include this word picture for us because this is how we were all included in his death, burial, and resurrection because he went to the third heaven, which is outside of time. You've got to view time as here's the beginning of time in, in a linear line. There's the beginning and the end. Now draw a circle around that linear line, and that's eternity. Eternity encompasses all of time, from the beginning of time to the end of time. It's outside of time. He obtained eternal redemption. It can count for anywhere on the timeline that is how, and that is why these few verses are in here, to give you the word picture so that you know how our sins in the 21st century were paid for. We didn't get our sins paid for without God mixing time and eternity together. That's why it says in Hebrews 10 at the consummation of the ages. When the ages were consumed, they consummated, they joined together. At that time, he died for all. Then it says, never having to die again. So let me explain the way eternity, what eternity actually means. Okay. It comes from the word the Greek word aeon. It's the Greek word aeonion. And the Greek word aeon is where we get our English word age. And age has a beginning and an end. It's a, it's a block of time. A long block of time. 
Hebrews, right in chapter 1, it says God who created all things, and it says he even created the ages, plural. Ages, plural, you guys, this is important. And then in Hebrews 11, it says, by faith we understand that the ages were created and strung together, joined together to do this work inside of time. What verse is that, Bill? I think that's worth looking at. It's Hebrews 11.3. All right. And the part about him creating the ages? Yes. Was in Hebrews 1.3, by whom he also created the ages. So many translations say world, and it I just throws you off. It hurts so bad. It the, just grieves me. It's the Greek word age. If yes. you have a Young's literal, it actually says age. Yes. So that's Hebrews 1.3 and Hebrews 11.3. In Hebrews 11.3, it says, By faith we understand that he did create the ages and put them together. Let me, the word katarizo. I'm butchering it. That's okay. <laughs> so we have a redneck Greek word study. Yes, you're, you're rednecking it. I'm not butchering it. To katarizo something is to fit out, equip, and put in order, age after age, in its proper order. So everything God did in time, he created these blocks of times for his purposes. And they were all incomplete in and of themselves, but they form a big picture when all of time is viewed at once. When all of time is viewed at once, it's an eternal perspective. So the cross has to be viewed from eternal perspective, which he did a great job explaining that. So That's why he had to go to the third heaven to make sure it was seen from an eternal perspective and not a temporal perspective because he put all these temporal ages together for certain reasons. He had a reason for each age that he put together. And then he had a reason for consuming or consummating the ages, too. But when something was done under the law, an, an atonement was done under the law, it really meant from the point that the sacrifice was given, you were forgiven for everything you did up to that point. Yes. The next day, if you did it again, you, you were... You were guilty until you did another sacrifice. Exactly. And that's why there was no chair for the priest. That's why there was no chair for the priest. His work Jesus was never a chair. Done. Jesus sat down. Yes. Why? Because his work was finished. Yes. Because him and God consummated all the ages together so that you and I could be included. Otherwise, we couldn't be included. You see, our sin debt was paid and God mixed time and eternity to make sure it was paid. For you and I in the 21st century and whoever lives in the 31st century, his sins will be paid too because Jesus pulled off an eternal redemption, which includes 
all time, from the first breath of Adam till the last breath of mankind, Jesus' eternal redemption includes it all. So what were those three terms you asked us to reconcile before time, the end of time? Yeah, I was just kind of reading it out how the Bible before the world began, we didn't go into actually correcting the way these Bibles were written. We didn't even do that because we didn't need to. We could say before the beginning at the cross and at the end of the world or the end of time. But they're all true. But they're, but they're all true because he obtained eternal redemption. But from a temporal point of view, they're not all true. No, we would still be in our sins if there was only a temporal point of view. That's why it is so important for the Christian to understand temporal doctrines and eternal doctrines. Temporal doctrines are about your experience and your day-to-day life and things that happen in the present time that you're existing in eternal doctrines are something God saw from his vantage point that he tells you about and you accept by faith. You accept by faith that he literally went to the third heaven and shed his blood on the altar in front of God. You accept that by faith even if this is the very first time you've heard it because you don't hear many preachers preaching on it because I think they're confused by it, but it is there. It is a scripture, so it has to be preached on. It has to be preached on. You can't pick and choose the scriptures. You have to look at them all. So let's look at a few places where we have this eternal point of view happening in time and see something maybe we never saw. Yes, yes, because he mixed time and eternity to include us, and he also mixed something called corporate identity. And we have to look at that picture also. One that comes to mind is this King Melchizedek, which is talked about in Genesis. Yes. I think Genesis 12, 14, somewhere around there. It says in Hebrews that Levi paid tithes to Melchizedek. Tell tell them what happened. The the war and the payment of the tithes where where there was no tithing. Right. And he won the war, so he came to this person named Melchizedek that had no beginning or no end to him. He Nobody can record his birth or his death. He went to Melchizedek and he tithed one-tenth of all that he received from the army that he defeated. He gave them 10%. And then what is said about In Hebrews, it says one might even say that Levi paid tithes to Melchizedek. It doesn't sound 
Yeah, like What's anything special, it doesn't sound like anything special when Hebrews is mentioning that to us. But if you let me the give story, you this fact, yeah, the backdrop is Levi was born 400 years later when the law started and they started giving tithes. But it says one might say that Levi tithed because he was in the loins or body of his father. I don't think we even mentioned that. That he, Go ahead and read the rest of it where it says because he was in the loins of his father. Let's re read that. Okay, I'm going to start in Hebrew 7. I'm going to start at verse 5. Perfect. And those of the sons of Levi who received the priestly office have an authorization according to the law to collect a tithe from the people, that is, from their fellow countrymen, although they too are descendants of Abraham. Verse 6, But Melchizedek, who does not share their ancestry, collected a tithe from Abraham and blessed the ones who possessed the promise, meaning Abraham. Now, without dispute, inferior is blessed by the superior. It's just a simple principle. And in the case, tithes are received by mortal men, while in the other by him who is affirmed to be alive. Verse 9, And it could be said that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid a tithe through Abraham, for he was still his ancestor Abraham's loins, or body, when Melchizedek met him. That is the important part. Not whose priesthood is better or anything, but it, it said one might say Levi, who everybody in Israel paid tithes to, which was 400 years after Abraham, one might say that Levi paid a tithe to Melchizedek, even though he hadn't been born for 400 years because of this principle that what Abraham did other people got credit for and his ancestor Levi 400 years later got credit for tithing to Melchizedek just like we were credited with what Jesus said if I be lifted up on the cross I will draw all men to myself well in God's eyes God saw Jesus on the cross and all men become baptized into Christ. Romans 6, 1 and 2, don't you know that we've all been baptized into Christ and baptized into his death? Well, through that one person representing us, we were all given credit for being hung on the cross and paying our sin debt and becoming buried. And through the resurrection and then the ascension up to the third heaven and where he shed his blood on that altar that was made without hands, then the whole world for all time was included in it. But without the idea of understanding what Paul said he was convinced of, he had it sure in his mind. What did he have sure in his mind? What was he hemmed in on all sides? convinced of. 
he was convinced that if one died for all, then all died. Say it again, brother. If one died for all, then all died. They all died. All humanity died and paid their sin debt in God's eyes. God mercifully saw us through Jesus pay our sin debt and have a zero balance with God anymore. God sees us as holy and righteous and he sees us as the vessels that he's going to inhabit. Let me make this in context. Okay. Jesus said, now is the judgment of the world. Okay? Judgment of the world, now in time. We didn't see the judgment of the world in time. We saw one man. Then he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men into myself. What's the next phrase? It says, he said this to indicate the kind of death he would die. A corporate identity death. If I be lifted on the cross, I will draw all humanity into myself. He said this to indicate the type of death he would die. Now is the judgment of the world. The cross was the judgment of the world in all humanity was included in the judgment of the world. If we believe this principle that takes place outside of time, and he, that is what we are trying to describe as an eternal perspective, an eternal point of view. Remember, in Hebrews it says God created the ages. In Hebrews, that was Hebrews 1. In, in Hebrews 11, it says, By faith we know that God connected the ages together, one after the other, to accomplish his eternal purpose. And remember, eternal is Ionian. It means, in the, actually in the Young's literal, it says pertaining to the ages or age during. Yes. What he did, what he created the ages to do is in time, carry out his plan that he already had in his mind as finished. Completely. That he already had in his mind as finished. Because it was. Because it was because it, as we are on the timeline we see that way back when Israel was under the law that they could not handle the law. They could not keep up with it. They failed. So Christ paid the debt for everybody who failed under the law and for everybody who failed in any other way other than the law. He paid that debt so that he could make a new age. He could make a new covenant. And in this new covenant or new age, the age of Christianity, not the age of the Mosaic law anymore, but it's a new age, we live our lives out seeing what God saw as the old man of us we see 
that person sinning and embarrassing us all the time. We see sin that lives in us. Paul said, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my human nature, but sin lives in me. And we see sin causing us to embarrass ourselves over and over and over again. And it causes us to feel unworthy to be in the presence of God. But God took care of that with an eternal truth. He said, through Christ, you all paid all your sin debt and everything that you see happening to you and you think I'm remembering, I forgot because all your sins and lawless deeds, I remember no more because I attributed them to what I mercifully call the old man of us the ancient man of us, and I made him pay for all those sins. And you didn't have to pay for all those sins. So on your worst day, you can say, thanks be to God that he tells me how he mercifully allowed all our sin debt to be paid through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection on the cross how he mixed time and eternity to pull this off, how we have what's known as an eternal redemption and how that eternal redemption is spoken about right for us to dig on and comprehend so that we can know that he cons consummated all the ages together. He consummated the age of the law and the age of Christianity and paid the sin debt for both of those ages and any other ages. They were both paid for. Let no matter me read something that... Did I interrupt you? I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was an eternal interruption. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In Hebrews 3, it says some heavy-duty things. And here's one. I'm going to read it in the Net Bible. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to give us the meaning of ages, eternity, eternal, then... After I'm done, I'm going to give you the Greek words. Okay. We could use a, a look into that right now. Okay. So if Ephesians 3, this is Paul explaining his revelation. I'm going to read Ephesians 3, 8. To me, Paul, less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given to proclaim to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to enlighten everyone about God's secret plan, a secret that has been hidden for ages. Remember, those were those periods of time. In God who has created all things. And I think he's referring to the ages he created. All yeah, exactly. But he did create all things anyway. Yeah, yeah. So both are true. The purpose of this enlightenment that Paul is giving us is that through the church the multi-sided wisdom of God should now be disclosed to the rulers and authority in the heavenly realms this was according to the eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus and that's not exactly the way it's written. If you knew how much weight this little passage had, this actually says 
the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms are actually watching us and through the church they're learning the manifold wisdom of God which was accomplished by Christ throughout all these ages because God Jesus was accomplishing God's eternal purpose his, the purpose of those ages well for whatever reason they they called it eternal purposes. purposes let me read to what it actually says this was in, in accordance with the purpose of the ages plural it doesn't say eternal which would be an adjective age during mm -hmm. or that's a noun it is a noun it is a plural noun the purpose of the ages remember we read in Hebrews 1 he created these ages yes remember in Hebrews 11 he fit them together for this purpose yes because what he did couldn't happen in time because it's it took thousands of years to happen. Yes. But he pieced it together in these ages. Before anything ever happened, this was God's plan set into effect just to show us how much he loves us. Yep. And no matter which age we're talking about, it was Christ in that age, whether it was the age of grace for Abraham going to start a nation where Christ spoke to Abraham saying, I'll make you a father of a great nation. That's Christ. Whether it was Christ speaking to Hagar because he came and spoke to her and she said, Lord, and called him Lord. And you don't call anybody Lord except the Lord, which means it was Christ speaking to her. That was Jesus accomplishing all the accomplishments of the ages in each and every age that God created Christ came into that age and accomplished what God had for him to accomplish in that age and then at the end he combined all the ages and paid our sin debt for all those ages let awesome. me give you one perspective that has both in it and if you're looking at a temporal point of view, you'll come up with a different number than the eternal point of view. This one is given from an eternal point of view. Hosea 11.1, 1, it says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, singular, and out of Egypt I called my son, singular son. How many people came out of the exodus out of Egypt according to possibly the, two million possibly two more than one more than one from the eternal point of view how many people came out of Egypt God viewed it as one person you see how that works yes why is one a wrong answer or is 300,000 or 3 million a wrong answer? Neither is, one is wrong. It's whether you're looking at it from our point of view or from God's point of view. Because he saw all Israel. We already saw that he saw Levi mm -hmm. as part of Abraham. 
but he saw all the descendants of Israel as one man. How many people died on the cross? We saw one man. He saw everybody. One man died for all. Therefore, all died. Yes. You have both perspectives there. Yes. So with that in mind, I just want to pray for us to get a grasp on how important the idea of eternal statements, the ones that we accept by faith, how important they are in the difference between those and temporal statements. Father God, please nail that down for us. Don't allow us to be thinking that one's our state and one's our stance. Allow us to understand that they're eternal statements and then they're doctrines about temporal things too and they don't contradict each other father make sure everybody realizes that they don't contradict each other and make sure everybody realizes that the eternal statements are good news about us and the eternal statements just talk about how much God loves us and how perfect we are in his sight. That's what eternal statements do and that's what they expect us to accept by faith that in your sight we are holy and blameless and good. Isn't that what Bill started off the podcast reading in, in Ephesians 1 that he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. Do you see? It says we are holy and blameless in his sight. That's an eternal point of view that you have to hold on to, brothers. You've got to hold on to that point of view when you've had a bad day, when you've blown it so bad and you're so embarrassed and disgusted with yourself and you're your parents and your wife and your brothers and sisters and the colleagues at work and everybody on the planet seems to be mad as a your mother when you left the toilet seat up. That's bad. That's <laughs> mad at you. That's mad. That's, That's a... mad. So allow us to know that you're not mad, God, and that you're there to help us find peace with all those people who are mad at us. You're there to help us restore those relationships. We come to you and say, look, this is what happened. And you become the source of reconciliation. Doesn't it say the, the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace for the peacemaker? Your seed is Christ. His fruit is righteousness. He sows that for you and you get labeled the peacemaker. Amen. You come to him when you've blown all the peace with everybody and he becomes the peacemaker for you. Lord, help everybody remember that and help me stay on track with the prayer. But Lord, we love you and we love you guys too as well. We thank you for listening to us. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Father God. Yes. Thank you for listening. We wish you a good night and tell you we love you. Yes, we do. 
In Jesus' name. Tell everybody you know about this podcast. Yeah, we need to grow our audience. Yep. We need to grow that audience. Expand the dog pound. The Grace Guard dog pound, I mean.